Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier podcast. We're here with one of our new uh, guest hosts, Drew. Drew, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you doing, Luki? Doing fantastic as always. So awesome. Drew comes to us with a background in, in teaching and communications and a bunch of stuff. So can you share a little bit about what you're up to these days? Yes. Um, quite recently, I have decided to explore the different cultures of Asia. I am traveling through Asia, soon to be in Europe. And my my goal while traveling through Asia is to meet with others who are finding that their communication skills are not on par with their standards and want to improve whatever messages they're thinking out clearly and directly. So I I am working one-to-one private coaching with working professionals, largely in Taiwan, um, in Hong Kong, in Indonesia, places like that in Southeast Asia on improving their communication skills. That's amazing. And uh, well, I presume you didn't always start that way. You weren't like out of the womb helping people with their communication. So what was Drew like as, as a kid? Do you have any early fond childhood memories that you could share? What were you like <sighs> growing up? That is a great question. Um, I would say I was a little erratic. I, I liked <laughs> new experiences. I was always, I would say I was always bored quite quickly. As soon okay. as I adjusted to something, I found new ways to challenge myself. Uh, I didn't like staying put in one single space. Okay. And I guess that kind of thing. Do you have an example feeds... of one of those that you could share? Oh. Like... Yeah. Uh, I remember being in grade school. I cannot remember specifically which grade. And I had an opportunity to collaborate on a, on a high school or a grade school project with a few okay. others. And uh, I finished the project relatively quickly with my team at that time. And I wanted to go deeper. I wanted to continue stretching the boundaries of whatever that project was doing. So I actually volunteered myself to join in on other projects to help them in any ways I could because I tackled it and I I beat it or finished that assignment pretty quickly. So I I constantly like stimulation from new environments. I find it it helps me to focus. Sounds good. And is that a common trait uh, among like the the Cicera clan and most folks (laughs) are that or or are your parents and, and other family members totally different than, than kind of that, that nature? Interesting question. Actually, I would say uh, I am the odd one out in that regard. I have okay. three sisters, one older and two younger. And I am the only one that has left home, has uh, <laughs> left the furthest I could. Even within Canada, I decided to travel to Vancouver for a certain period of time, spent three years there. And everybody's reaction was like, why, Drew? Why do you want to do this? And I just said... As honestly as possible, I'm just kind of bored with where I am right now, and I need that new stimulation. And like, oh, that's just typical Drew doing his Drew things again. So, yeah, it was just me at that time. Sounds good. And, and growing up, how was uh, the school situation? So you mentioned finishing a project early and helping others. Does that mean that you were a good student and you had aspirations to continue on, and that's what led you to become a teacher? Mm-hmm. Or, or what was the kind of influence along the way to, um, I don't know, start in school and then, and then continue down? Yeah, uh, I wouldn't say I was the most academic student. Uh, I didn't really <laughs> quite understand at that age why it's important to be successful in, in academics, other than the traditional parenting that any 
any child might get, which is, you know, it'll protect your future. It'll open up sure. more opportunities. Um, throughout high school, I found myself to be a little bit more focused in the second half because I understood the, the qualifications required to get into university and to continue down a road largely that I didn't want or that my parents wanted for me. Mm. So I was really uh, setting my goals for myself, not, not so much for myself, but to, to make my parents proud. And it wasn't until I finished high school, went to university, that I really understood the value of loving what you do and loving what you study. I didn't really like what I was doing much in high school and the required courses. But once I found my specialty in university, I excelled at it. I was passionate about it. And it's found ways to influence my current career decisions now. Yeah, and I'd love if you share, because I can imagine that that mindset or that situation is fairly common amongst uh, m the listeners here, where uh, it's it's what mom and dad wants, what yep. your culture, what society wants for you versus really what you want. Can you walk us through maybe the high school to say, like, what were the expectations? What did they want you to do? What were mm -hmm. the goals that you set for them? Uh, and then maybe we'll get into like like the switch later on. So, so what was that initial path that you realized you didn't quite like? Um, and then we'll kind of branch off from there. Yeah. Uh, my parents, I'd say my parents were pretty progressive and growing okay. up. So they understood that what I want to do might be different from the traditional trades that are, are quite common in my family and my extended okay. family. You know, lots of manual hand labor, uh, fixing cars and mechanic stuff. And they saw in me growing up that I wasn't really a hands-on type person. I, I liked to do typically things that involved a little bit more thinking, a little mm. bit more abstract ideas, uh, reading and such. So in high school, my family gave me goals and said, Drew, you need to secure good enough grades. That's, that's all they're happy with. Okay. Good enough grades to get into a college or to get into university. They don't really care what I do after that. They just want to make sure I have the foundation of knowing that I could always return back to university or college okay. to continue whatever education you need to, to get you to wherever you decide to be once you're in your 20s or, or even 30s. Right. So that pressure was mainly just on getting the basic grades. And, and that pressure I knew would be good for me. I didn't quite understand how at that age, because you know, you're know you a high school student and, and you have friends and you have pressures in many different ways. But I did understand the long-term purpose of what they were doing, and uh, and I followed it. Sounds good. So you're on this path where uh, mom and dad, you need to get a degree, like or yes. a diploma, whatever it is, college, university, something that uh, you need to have the probably... opportunity. Yes, absolutely. So what was your process to kind of pick something? And uh, because it's not a necessarily an easy undertaking, right? There's so many different programs, such a variety out there. So obviously, you weren't going into trades. But no. even in humanities, I don't know if you considered any STEM, any of those types of things, but how did you decide to pick like the, the degree, the uh, schooling that, that you were uh, required to do? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and you know what? This is a, a question that even my younger sister now, she is, uh, she's 17. She's going into grade 12 and she's asking mm -hmm. me those questions as well because she's feeling anxious about knowing mm -hmm. that the time is coming where you kind of have to create a commitment. Yeah. And I'll be honest, Luki, I, I, I didn't quite know. I remember sitting down at a Swiss chalet at a diner with my mom. We were looking <laughs> at all of the programs and all of the books for all the universities. And we're like, okay, what fits me best? Yeah. And my mom knows my character from a childhood quite well. And she said, this is where I see you. And I said, I don't like this. I, I like the idea of yeah. this. So it turned out when I went to university, I went for business management at okay. the University of Waterloo. It was a... Um, 
It was a joint program between the humanities and business. It was called arts and business. Okay. And I was not doing well in the business aspect. I was failing <laughs> finance. I was failing economics, but I was excelling quite dramatically at the communications aspect uh, and the right. humanities. And so I, I had to make, yeah, quite a radical and quite frightening change in realizing this is what I like. I'm passionate about it. And so I should leave the business aspect. Let me excel in what I know and what I'm good at, and I will find a way when I'm older, and, and I'm trusting myself largely, I will find a way to utilize that in a way to make my life better. And that's what's led me, I would say, long-term to where I am now. That's awesome. I'm wondering if you can share a little bit more about like that decision-making, because mm -hmm. when folks are in something that they thought they could or wanted to do, and then they realize, no, it's got to be this other, that, that can be a bit of, of a, a shift. And then, well, there's probably costs where like all the the courses that you took is now weekly yeah. transfer and this and that w what was the uh experience like for you to lead up to the decision and maybe like is, was there like a uh like a tipping point that says okay i'm doing it <laughs> or yes, else, or, or yes. was it slow build or just like a yes. uh, spur of the moment thing what was that decision process like good question um i remember it was a big clue to me and quite an obvious sign when I was feeling anxious, waking up every day on campus, going to my classes, knowing that I'm, I'm not, I'm not emotionally connected. I'm not even logically connected to what I was studying. I had like two courses that I really, really loved. And then the remaining three in the first year were all business and math related. And that's what got me anxious. So I yeah. think that that, that anxiety, uh, and that inner pressure to make a change for myself was kind of the large indicator that told me this okay. is not what I should be doing right now. And I should follow what I really, really like. And if I can excel at something I really, really like, I'll find ways to challenge myself because I know myself well enough. And so I won't ever just set myself and be happy or content with that current level of challenge. If I excel, I'll find new opportunities to go deeper. Sure. So I think that was the biggest change. Quite. And was that a like a very personal decision and you just did it or did was there a lot of like back and forth with mom and dad to say like, hey, mom and dad, <laughs> this is what I'm wrestling with yeah. because uh, oftentimes when uh, something is prescribed to you, then you have to do yes. it. But I guess there was was more um, at least get a foundation, whatever the yeah. foundation is, it's there. So what was the conversation like with parents or those close to you? Uh, if you could share a little bit on that. Yeah. And again, I think that connects back to what I had originally said about my parents being pretty open-minded and okay. progressive with, with my decisions. They knew that I was at the age where I knew what I like and I don't like after being in university and being in those courses. If this was high school, they would have said, Drew, just go do it. And if you don't yeah. like it, then you can drop out. But I did it. And they trusted my own expertise in this field. And when I told them, listen, mom, dad, I'm, I feel like I'm wasting time because I'm doing something I don't like. It's wasting your money because I know you're helping me to, to finance this education. Yeah. I know what I like and I want to pursue that. They did muddy the waters a little bit with me. They did play <laughs> devil's advocate as they should to, yeah. to make me think about it more clearly. But ultimately they said, Drew, it just sounds like you went into the wrong program, but in yeah. that wrong program, you found what you do like. And yeah. so I think that that is just the step or the required step towards your defined path, right? So they encouraged me to make that decision for the betterment of myself. 
Yeah, and I think that's great that your parents played devil's advocate because they want to make sure you're serious about it. Yeah. Not you're just flip-flopping and changing on a whim. But if you're committed to it, well, that uh, sees or shows a little bit of interest and passion versus ah, I'm just going to waste another couple of months, uh, hundreds, thousands of dollars of tuition. Exactly. <laughs> just exploring exactly. and playing. So Exactly. Um, I'm wondering if you can uh, talk to us about that that switch. So, so now you've switched out of business, and now you're in this area that you're supposed to love and enjoy. Like, was that all uh, rainbows and unicorns afterwards, or, or what was that <laughs> process like afterwards? You switched. Oh, I think with any university uh, program, it'll never be rainbows. Definitely, there's always a level <laughs> of challenge, intellectual challenge, yeah. right? And I took courses that I, some of them I didn't like within that field. But no, Luki, I'll be honest with you. I, I, as I have traveled around the world and as I've met many people who disregard the value of a, of a good or solid university education, I usually argue against it. I, I had the most compelling program that fit me, and I was very lucky to find it. I enjoyed it a lot. I was very passionate about it, and I feel like it gave me a skill set that I have been able to intertwine into all areas of my life, and that skill set is communication. I did study speech communications at the University of Waterloo, and this was the only university or is the only university across Canada to offer this particular program. So it was very competitive. And the only way that I had gotten in is because I went through that connected program with the business and communication. So I felt like it was meant to be for me to to get into that uh, that area of study. So sounds good. Yes. And I think for a lot of folks that are against the university system, it's more of like, if you were like previous Drew that was down the business path and was forced to do that, well, that's a little bit <laughs> kind of yes. money, money flush down. Versus, yes, you know what? exactly. I, am, I have the skill set and, and this is the right place to, to develop it. I think that that's amazing. Yes. I'd love you share a little bit about, okay, you're in this program, communications is there. Did you have a sense of, okay, when I graduate, I'm going to... Uh, go abroad and start teaching folks in like Asia and do that? Was that always in, in the in the cards or what was the thought of, of the future or were you even thinking about it or just enjoying yourself uh, in the moment? Like, t yeah. Talk to us a little bit about that. Like after the switch, what were you thinking about uh, on, on the, uh, in the future from a career perspective? Yeah, good question. I was always concerning myself with, okay, what am I going to do next? As soon as university is <laughs> done, what will I do? What will I do? And I, and, I guess it's a quality of myself. I wouldn't say I was that proud of because it would get me, it would be an uncontrollable concern about the future or, or what's not to be known about the future that it would affect my immediate thinking. And I remember raising this with my girlfriend at that time through university and my mom and my dad and my friends. And they said, Drew, you found what you're, you're good at. You found what you like. You're enjoying it. You know it's teaching you qualities and skills that you're going to find in the future a way to, to handle it. Get through this and cross that bridge once you're done. Right. Just just right. stay focused on your on your your grades and getting through university and we'll figure that out down the road. And I kind of absorbed that mentality. I kind of I didn't I wouldn't say I disregarded, you know, any concern for the future, but I knew I should kind of worry about that once my once I'm coming to the end of my university education. Uh, to answer your question quite quickly though, Luki, no, I, I didn't really know exactly how I was going to apply it to my life. I knew I was learning a skill set that could be used in almost any career, which is, you know, how do you communicate your ideas thoughtfully and with meaning? And uh, I knew whatever challenges, or I felt whatever challenges come my way after university, I will find a way to intertwine it. I did do some jumping around between different careers, and it is only quite recently, about 
six or seven years after graduation that I have, I would say I am the most comfortable and, and confident in my current career. Sounds good. And it's great that it's a foundational skill set because everybody needs to learn yeah. to communicate at one level, even if you're the most technical of the technicals. Right? Yes. You still need to get the, those those ideas out there. So I'd love if you shared a little bit about those the path where, okay, you graduated, uh, you got the, the hat and the diploma and whatever it is, and you're, you're out in the real world. And now you have to figure out like what you want to do with your life. Yes. <laughs> what, what, what was that process like? What were some of the exploration areas that you thought were going to be the thing and then didn't, turned out not? Or like, what was that path like after, yeah. after graduation? And that's what's challenging about my, or was challenging about my, my program is that it gave me a fundamental skill, like you said, that you can utilize in so many ways, but because it was, because its utility is, is quite general it's hard yeah. to, to take it and then narrow down into particular field. So after I graduated from university, I realized I wanted to be alone. I wanted to leave Ontario, leave my family and, and figure okay. out something new for myself, explore a new area. So I moved out and to Vancouver. Could, you, could yes. you share like, how, how did that come about? Was that just more like, hey, uh, an epiphany, I woke up one day, I wanna leave this all. Cause that, that seems like a fairly drastic uh, decision. And Luke, yeah, I won't lie. It actually was in reality. Okay. <laughs> I did. I, did I, I saw like a picture of Vancouver on Google and I was like, wow, this looks beautiful. And I actually didn't know I was looking at Vancouver. And my girlfriend at that time said, oh, Drew, that's just on the other side of Canada. And I was like, oh, yeah. well, I, I don't really have anything planned for when university is done. So maybe I'll go check that out. And okay. I booked my flight and I decided to, to venture out there. Now, while I was in university, I was working at the Apple store. So uh, I was funding parts of my education through part-time work at the Apple store. And thankfully, the Apple store was able to make a transfer for me out to Vancouver. So I was able to okay. kind of explore new areas of Canada, explore myself. So I had much more free time to, to dive into some of, uh, some, of, uh, some of the things I like to do in my own time. And after I moved out to Vancouver, that's when I started to really explore my interests. I got into music. I got into photography. I explored the arts. I networked a lot with various uh, people that I would not have normally living in uh, Ontario or within my, my comfortable zone. Sure. And I, uh, I also jumped between different jobs as well. Yeah. And I'd love if you share a little bit more about that because there's a lot of learning in there. So, um, well no offense to the Apple store, but most people don't graduate <laughs> university hoping that they uh, work at the Apple store. Right? That's right. Yeah. Um, so what was some of the, I guess, the activities that you did? You mentioned photography, music and things like that. Was that just like a after work type of thing on the weekends type of thing? Or, and then, and then how did you start transitioning from like the Apple store into something like more I'll call it quote unquote serious. Yes. <laughs> yes. But yes. I'd love for you to fill in a little bit of that journey if you can. Yeah. Uh, so I remember when I decided to move out to Vancouver, I was thinking, what am I going to do? Like, what are things that I've always wanted to do that I couldn't because I was so focused on education? Okay. And quite literally, Luke, yeah, I went into my phone and I created a list. I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to try acting. Okay. I wanted to try okay. car sales. I wanted to try music. I wanted to try photography. So I kept my part-time job at the Apple store and on the weekends and after my work, I would explore these. I actually walked right downtown Vancouver into Lucas Talent, which was an acting agency. It was the same acting agency that worked with Ryan Reynolds before he okay. got famous. I walked in, I created an interview and they added me to the roster. 
Uh, within okay. three, four weeks, they were sending them out to editions, and I was doing movie editions and commercial editions. And it was really interesting and it was really fun, but it was way, way, way too stressful. I, I couldn't do it 100% <laughs> alone. It's like I jumped right into the deep end without any preparation, yeah. any training. And again, I was hitting my limits. I, I felt the anxiety that I had felt before. I knew that this is this is not what I had thought. Maybe it's not the right timing for me, so I'm going to back away from this. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. I decided I would pursue a little bit of photography because I was always interested in that. So I picked up yeah. my, my camera, I walked around, I created a website and a portfolio, and I started to showcase and sell my, my photography in my, my spare time. Luckily, I did make a few sales. It was definitely not a big, uh, a big element of my career, but I was able to, to create photos uh, that I think lots of people were, or most people were inspired by, and okay. some of them were able to, to print off. Yeah. That's awesome. And you mentioned car sales and yes music. Like, did you ever get into car sales or, or yes, is that just I did. Uh, like uh, yes. something you crossed off differently <laughs> so i came i came home i flew home to to ontario maybe once every four or five months to see my family and my dad would always ask me hey drew what are you up to out there i was like okay i'm yeah. taking pictures and i tried acting and my dad said hey drew have you ever have you ever considered picking up a harmonica and i was like harmonica okay what, what, I, I, like the name sounds so familiar what is it so he gave me one of his harmonicas that his grandparents passed down to him. And I wow. immediately, like Luki, in all my spare time, just walking and, and sitting in my room, I picked up that harmonica and I taught it to myself. Over the course of six or seven months, I started okay. performing open mics with, with bands. I started networking among the band community and uh, performing vocals, harmonica. Unfortunately, again, nothing, nothing quite major, but I was out there. I was making music. I was writing. I was collaborating with musicians. While I was doing all this, I was realizing Apple is kind of a little outdated for me. I'm not getting any new stimulation or challenge in that regard. So I need a new actual source of income. And I always wanted to try selling cars. So I walked into Ford uh, in in Burnaby, uh, Vancouver, and I applied for car sales there. And I got involved in, in the car sales business for about six to seven months before I realized, again, that was not... That was not fitting for my personality. Sounds good. And uh, uh, so a whole bunch of different interesting, well, questions that I have is like, harmonica, how easy is that to come up to a band and ask, hey, do you need a harmonica? Because I could see guitarist, drummer, uh, vocalist, that sort of thing. But then like harmonica? or, or Exactly. Or that was the reaction things? I got. <laughs> <laughs> like, really? A harmonica? So, so, yeah. Would you mind sharing maybe a story or two about like asking and maybe getting or asking and maybe getting uh, rejected? Uh, any of those stories that you could share? Interestingly, I would not usually announce that I have a harmonica. I, I have sung <laughs> my whole life. So I, I, am a, okay. I am a vocalist. I have a song on Spotify and Apple Music. Exactly. So I would usually go out and perform uh, open mics, uh, you know, just singing as a front man. And then spontaneously for a solo, I would rip out my harmonica and I would start harmonicaing and people would be like, whoa, we haven't seen a harmonica for quite some time, <laughs> right? Um, the beauty about a harmonica is it accents really well with the melody of, of any song, particularly blues and rock. So you can hide it, you can keep it mobile with you, and whenever you need it to accent a little bit more of whatever you're trying to perform, it's a great small little addition. I never received any negative feedback other than you need to practice more <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> but people were quite inviting to the opportunity to 
to hear that live uh, on a on a microphone. That's awesome. Yeah, that makes yeah. a little bit more sense because leading with the harmonica might be a little no. bit more of a, <laughs> a <right>. challenging <laughs> proposition. But uh, um, so out of Apple now in car sales, and then obviously, well, I know you as kind of the the uh, traveler uh, off in Asia. Uh, how how did that uh, prospect come about? Was, yeah. was it maybe a flyer in another newspaper? You said, "Here's Japan. <laughs> Let's go there." Is, is it like that, or something different? Good question. After car sales, again, I realized that car sales didn't really fit me. I felt a lot of pressure at the workforce to sell and sell and sell, um, and sometimes borderline. I wouldn't say lying, but through borderline selling tactics that just yeah. didn't fit with fit with me, right? So I realized this is not who I am. I don't like basing my commission off of how quickly I can get somebody into a car. And uh, I decided after that um, I was going to go into tech support. I have always saw that as an opportunity. I worked at Apple. I had a pretty good resume with with regards to technology. So I worked at a startup company after Ford uh, called Clio, which was a software company, um, software solutions company for lawyers across Canada, the U.S., Hong Kong, some parts in Asia. And I worked Mm -hmm. on their onboarding team. Lawyers would get this new software from the sales team. They would get forwarded to me. I would manage their case by helping them and training them how to use the software through Zoom calls. So I was managing at one point, Luki, about 89 different law firms at once uh, across, across the globe. Yeah, people calling me, emailing me, jumping on meetings to learn how to use the software. Now, each law firm. I was about five or six people working on it. So I got emailed sure. like crazy, right? It, it taught me a great skill set, taught me uh, amazing customer service. That was 150% what I had to do. It taught me uh, multitasking skills uh, on a level that I don't think I've ever even exercised before. <laughs> so uh, I, um, I excelled in that. I, I was happy doing it. And it wasn't until my friend, uh, who is Taiwanese, who I went to university with, told me that she's going back to Taiwan. And she told me you should come visit it at some point. And that it was like the original spark. I felt a recognition or I felt a familiar uh, feeling that I hadn't since I graduated university and said, I want to go to Vancouver. I was like, wow, hmm. Taiwan, the other side of the world, completely new culture, new food, new people, new experiences. Why can't I do it? Why not? Sure. And that is kind of what sparked that journey into uh my 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 world exploring journey of seeing different cultures and helping people sounds like uh there's a trend here where it's this the spark that comes yeah. out and like boom th- th- suddenly it, it it turns around and yes um yeah it turns into to the next chapter of uh, of your life yes uh, yeah and i'd love if you walk us through the the taiwanese experience so you're on a plane at that point had you been out of the country out of the continent that sort of thing or, or that's kind of the first foray out was it nerve-wracking and or probably exciting at the same time like share a little bit of that experience yeah i've never i mean with my family growing up we would go on you know resort vacations jamaica cuba things like that but to know that i'm leaving the everything familiar of my country to completely um indulge myself in a in a in a new culture (laughs) surround myself with as much of something that i'm not familiar with was exciting, super exciting, because I love that. I love the new yeah. journey. But also, yes, nerve-wracking. I, I didn't really know what to expect. I knew I would be a little disoriented, not being able to communicate with people, not being able to mm-hmm. uh, to express my ideas. 
but that was what I was passionate about. How can I communicate clearly? And what would it look like to try to communicate clearly with people who don't use the same grammar structure in their language yeah. that you do, right? Um, in order for me to go to Taiwan, I had to apply to be an English teacher. That is the most common way that people from, from the West or anywhere else get involved in the local yeah. community. So I applied for a working holiday visa, uh, which was a one-year visa where you can travel to Taiwan or a lot of countries. Canada offers this. And you get okay. hired as an English teacher at a local school. And they do the training with you right there and then. And thankfully, thankfully, I had a university degree because they would not have accepted me. <laughs> they did not see that that was on the paper. And uh, yeah. yes, I jumped over there with excitement, um, with fear. And it was it was quite an adventure, for sure. That, that's awesome. I'm wondering if you can go back and, and share like maybe the first class that you taught, like first class in, in, in Taiwan, halfway across the world, that sort of thing. Uh, what was that experience like? Yeah, when I first arrived in Taiwan, um, I planned it so that I had a little bit of time to adjust to the culture. I had two weeks to, to network with people, to meet up with, okay. with friends that I had been networking with through Facebook groups, uh, local mm -hmm. Taiwanese who were showing me food and such and different elements of their culture. And the first day I went into work, my employer, Taiwanese, couldn't speak English that well, gave me <laughs> this giant training book. Like I would say it was maybe 700 pages and wow. it was a whole curriculum. And she said, okay. You're going to teach this and we need to make sure this is connected to this and you're going to have to teach this and the calendar is spread out over here. She even sounded confused herself because, <laughs> yeah, it was it was terrifying. I did not know how I can do this. This is my first time ever doing this and I really did not receive much in-depth training, sure. right? So I took it among myself to ask my employer. I said, listen, I'm a little overwhelmed. I don't want to, I don't want to underperform. I don't want to let you down. You're kind of sponsoring me here. I flew across the country. So this is what I know I need. I need to sit in on one of your current teacher's classes so I can take my own notes and I can ask that current teacher exactly how they can get started. And my employer at that time was like, well, nobody has ever asked, nobody's ever asked to do it that way. And I was like, well, that's what I know would help me get my feet on the ground and to perform at the level that you want me to. Right. So I, I, she gave me that, that hall pass to go ahead and sit in on other people's classes. I networked with local teachers and they gave me the heads up on how I should be organizing my calendar and the curriculum to teach, uh, to teach the first class. But when I did jump in front of that first class, I was teaching grade one. So young children, mm. um, we went right into, uh, phonics. We went into the pronunciation of different sounds, uh, different letters and how to make words from them. And I taught, well, I would say it was a fun class. I used my harmonica to keep them entertained. <laughs> and yeah. they were very, very curious to know what Canada was like. So I often related content of the curriculum to my photography, pictures I took of Canada, into musical elements with my harmonica. That's awesome. I love how you were able to take all of the previous foundations and have it uh, accentuate what you were doing. And uh, yeah, I'd love if we quickly went into some of the other areas that you went to, because Taiwanese is one of many yes. <laughs> Asian countries that you went into. Uh, were the experiences very similar, very different uh, in each one? Uh, can you describe a little bit about uh, those future experiences? Good question. Um, so I taught, I, I actually, I would say my, my more formal career experience was teaching at an actual school in Taiwan. 
And that was through a one-year working holiday visa. Once my visa expired, uh, my girlfriend and I at that time, I met her in Taiwan. Uh, She's Mm -hmm. still my girlfriend now. We went back to Canada for two or three months, and I was teaching online uh, for a local Taiwanese company. It was just conversation classes with working professionals and adults in Taiwan. I was doing it uh, day in and day out, nighttime schedule, and I was going at such detailed and particular levels with these these students that the employer of this Taiwanese company didn't want. They didn't want me to stretch beyond whatever the curriculum, the defined curriculum was, even though I knew that what my students liked and what I liked teaching was was perfectly in line with each other. They still said, no, don't right. do it. So that is when I realized, like, okay, I'm finding I'm passionate about something. I really like to do it so much that I'm even stretching outside of the boundaries of the curriculum to teach it. Maybe I can kind of start doing this on my own. That is when I left the online company. I started marketing my own online services as a English teacher, online English teacher and communications coach. My girlfriend and I were both teaching online and that's when we realized, okay, if we're going to teach online and we're both loving it, why not go to Thailand? It's cheaper to live there. (laughs) We can live in nicer apartments and we can continue to explore different cultures together. So to answer your question, Luki, yes, I traveled to Thailand Indonesia, Japan, Korea, and Hong Kong after Taiwan. And uh, each culture does have unique um, elements to offer people, largely uh, traditions, traditions that are deeply ingrained in their cultures that, that speak towards their history and speak towards their religions. And those little subtle interactions that you have with, uh, with locals really make the, the experience special and unique for each country. That's amazing. And I'm sure each one of those are probably podcast episodes on their own. Yeah, I could definitely do it. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, and, and now you're obviously back in Canada. And I, I'd love if uh, before you share kind of like future aspirations and things like that, if you share some of the swike, the stuff I wish I knew earlier, obviously, you've uh, peppered us with a bunch of them uh, over uh, the kind of story in the journey. But are there any words of wisdom that you want to give to young Drew or the young Drews listening out there oh, <laughs> uh, really at various points in your career yeah. um, that uh, you, you might want to either elaborate on what you've said before or just kind of net new you want to add into there? It's a really good question, Luki. I would say embrace, embrace change and okay. invite Embrace change and invite it with with curiosity, genuine curiosity. There is so much you can learn about yourself. There's so much you can learn about the differences between cultures, between people. Uh, within that that immediate, what we would say, uh, or what you might feel as tension, right? When you mm. go to another country, or you meet somebody who's from a different culture, or you meet somebody who's just in a completely different career as you have, or has a different history. You might find things you disagree with. You might find that there is tension within that relationship or within that communicative structure, that conversation. But usually those are really, really, really good indicators that there is opportunity to grow. There's opportunity to Mm. develop. There's opportunity to be curious and to inquire further, right? It's similar to the common expression, you know, if you're in, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room, right? If you're too comfortable in your environment, there's opportunities to learn outside of that immediate environment. And that is kind of what has pushed me. And, I, and it's not until recently that I've, I've noticed this. That's been a, 
a a philosophy that has guided me through, like you said earlier, different chapters of my life. If I feel that spark, and that spark is terrifying, but it's interesting, I kind of jump on it because I know no matter what, no matter what, I can always go back. I can always return back to where I was because yeah. I already did it. And in the least, the worst case scenario possible, you're still going to be smarter than you were because you had an experience that is different from what you were used to. So that would be the, the words of advice I would give. That's awesome. What I took from that is follow your terror. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Oftentimes it's the things that scare you most that there's the biggest uh, growth beyond that. Because yes. right? if you can figure out, well, why am I afraid of it? Because I mean, there are certain things where, I don't know, like uh, going into like the Amazon jungle and, and oh, yeah, playing yeah, yeah, with yeah. Like, like, like spiders and stuff. Maybe that's not <laughs> the right thing. But if it's maybe it's a cultural uh, piece and, and because your background is communication, uh, anything where you're not as comfortable with that, hey, it's probably worth the exploration. And to your yes. point, if it doesn't work out, you can always go, back, go back, right? right? That's you can thing. always figure it out. It's one thing I was always telling my family as I was uh, letting them know my, my plans to travel. I told my dad, I'm going to go to Taiwan. And my dad is, is Italian. He was like, really, Taiwan? Why would you, why would you ever <laughs> want to go there? Go to Italy, right? And I explained yeah, yeah. how different it is, uh, how opposite 100% it is from everything in my family, everything I'm used to. And he said, well, Drew, do it because you're young. You can. You got your degree. Right, you did exactly what we asked of you. So go do it, and if you hate it, whatever, just come back. You're fine. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, you're actually right. Sometimes it is that easy, and we don't realize it. It is pretty easy to jump on the the bandwagon, do your research, and if you don't like it, you can always return. Yeah. Yes. And I think it has something to do with kind of like the comparison culture we'll hear right now. Everybody's at like moving ahead, different things, and to be seen, kind of going back. Or stepping back is is not necessarily well received, but sometimes that's the the best place to start because now you're back, but you're further yes, ahead in some you're respects. Further ahead and some, yes, that's exactly things. correct. I agree. That, that's amazing. And again, probably more uh, podcast episodes, but we'd love to hear a little bit about uh, what are some future aspirations, some things that we can look forward to, to hearing about uh, in the next uh, few weeks, months, years, that sort of thing. And then where can folks uh, reach out to you if they need some help being a little bit more confident in their communication? Yeah, very good. Um, I am temporarily here in Canada right now for a few more weeks. I'm continuing my journey heading back to Japan for an additional three months okay. from Japan, I will continue my journeys into Europe. I might go to Africa. I'll continue spreading my uh, my skills with those who, who need <laughs> it. And as I'm doing this, I'm, I'm developing my career. It's changing in, in different directions here and there. I'm developing new platforms. I'm utilizing new AI tools that are helping my, my clients hear their own progress to mm -hmm. see it and interact with others. So as much as it is a surprise to somebody else, I'm actually still kind of surprising myself because I am defining what I'm good at and I'm defining what my, my clients or my students like as I'm doing it with them and I'm experimenting on the go. Um, so we're, we're going to see. We're going to see where it goes. But if anybody does want to reach out to me, if anybody does want to follow me, you can see everything on my website, which is www.drewcicera.com. It links to my Facebook, my LinkedIn, my Instagram, where they can see more of my personal journey through all these cultures. And of course, on my website, you can see live demos of my classes. Uh, you can reach out to me if you want to uh, know more about some of the services I offer, whether it's public speaking, interviewing skills, or conversational skills at all. 
that's where you can find everything about me. That's awesome. And we'll definitely include all of that in the show notes. And uh, thanks so much, Drew, for sharing your story. Again, there's lots to be sought after in terms of like the adventures that you'll have in all those different places. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back for a future episode. Thank you, Lucky. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for joining us on the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at LukiDanu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.